Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be your host for the next hour of hopefully entertaining, enlightening, educational business and business-related news and commentary with a special peace of mind segment at the end of today's show. The filing season for 2020 taxes is finally completely over. That ended October 15th. My office, though, always has work year-round. There's always catch-up work. There's old old years. I've been getting calls from new clients recently. I'd say the two biggest tax topics lately are we're getting fire money from PG&E finally. What is the taxability of it? That's probably the number one question. The thing about those clients is the they're sort of special. Here's the way it works. When I get a tax client to do their income tax, I try to keep the fee as low as possible. Now, one way that I keep the fee as low as possible is this, and this is a little different than some other businesses might think. Uh, some businesses would be able to think this way, but tax preparation businesses can definitely think this way. I say to myself, is this the type of client that I can help for the next five or 10 years? If so, I don't need to charge a high price the first year because I can make, I can make a fee helping this person for the next five or 10 years, which means I don't have to gouge him right now. When you think about an attorney practice, some attorneys I'm sure have a lot of customers that have to come back all the time. But a lot of attorneys would have practices where they're going to see these people once. I'm thinking like a trust and estate attorney where they set up a trust for the family. Uh, Obviously, the family would come back when they need to uh, change or amend their trust. And obviously, they'll have people coming back probably when someone passes away and the beneficiaries have to administer the trust. But it's not going to be an annual visit. Now, dentists would, of course, have repeat customers if they do a good job because everybody knows they're supposed to go to the dentist twice a year. But what I'm trying to say is that I can make my fee more reasonable when I figure that the odds are I'm going to be seeing this person again for a few visits over the next few years. My point of bringing that up is that these new clients that have PG&E money coming in this may be a one-time deal. These these could very well be taxpayers that really don't need the help of a tax professional like a CPA or an enrolled agent, but they do need him this year. That is fine. If I have time, I'm going to try to help as many as I can, and I always offer a free initial consultation so I can talk to them over the phone and they don't have to worry about getting a bill from me. My point is, I might not be able to give them a reasonable fee because if I know I'm only going to see them once, it just isn't worth it for me to try to give them a a low rate, Is which I I always try to give everybody a a reasonable fee based on the fact that I'll hopefully know them for the next, now in the old days I would have said 20 years, but since I'm, well, I guess since I'm on the backside of 30, as that one song would say, or... How about in the autumn of my life? I mean, I'm not that far along, but I don't plan on sitting at my desk for another 20 years, but I could easily do another five or 10, which I'm planning. 
that's how I can keep my fees reasonable and give people the best service I can give them and not gouge them because I'll never see them again. That was my point of that. Oh, that the number one tax question these days is, I have fire money coming. Uh, is it going to be taxable? I'd say the number two thing that I get calls for are people who, for whatever reason, are behind in their filing and they have more than one back year to get caught up. I've had a couple people with probably back to 2014. I've got one I'm working with uh, that's going to be back to 2011. The problem is if you're non if you're a non-filer there's no statute of limitations. In other words, if you skipped filing for a year but you were supposed to, the IRS can come back at you at any time. There's no time limit on them coming on coming back with at you and saying you have to file. That's why it's so important to always keep a copy of your filed tax return in case anyone ever says you didn't file. Of course, you can also for those of you with earned uh, wages and self-employed earned income that the social security administration, if you, they used to send these in the U S mail, I would get one every year or two. I believe now uh, I'm not old enough for social security yet, but I believe that now you can go online in your portal at social security. But if you see that all of those years have your wage earnings in each year, and there's no blank years with a zero, that does pretty much mean that you have filed your taxes all those years because they get that directly from, uh, well, I'm not sure if they get it directly from the IRS, but they get it from the Social Security Administration, and I think it corresponds with the IRS, but honestly, I don't really know. I, uh, I just want you to know that if you ever have a year that you didn't file that you think you might have been supposed to file or required to file, it's a good idea to go ahead and get that old year filed because you don't ever want them to come back and say, oh, hey, you missed 2015 and now uh, now you can't get that car loan or that home loan or whatever messes you up on that. That was just a thought I had. But that's probably the most common call I get. The first most common would be the first one, the fire thing, and that's just unique to our area. The second most common would be old years that need to be filed. I'd say the third most common is young, not necessarily young, but first-time self-employed people, maybe people who lost their job during the pandemic and they've figured out a way to be self-employed. This also happens to people who are working for DoorDash and Uber. I'm not sure if they've all converted to W-2s or not, but those were self-employed people and they needed a lot of help. So yeah, the three main helps people need right now is the fire victims and what is their money going to look like as far as taxability. The number two would be people needing to file old years, and that's that's been that way forever. I mean, there's always people who are got, get behind for one reason or another. And number three would be the, the new self-employed person who has no idea what that's going to do to their tax filing. And I will say they're very smart for calling somebody. It's okay to try to do your own taxes if it's simple with W-2s and not much else. I honestly think that once you're self-employed or you have rental property, the cost of getting your taxes prepared 
by a professional, uh, either CPA, enrolled agent, uh, whoever you're going to, anyone who offers to prepare your taxes and sign your taxes has to be licensed to be a tax preparer. So that's usually safe. I'll tell you when it's not a safe deal is when you have somebody help you with your taxes and when you get done, they won't sign them. That's not correct. Nobody is supposed to do that. If you're preparing someone's tax, you're supposed to sign it. And in, other, and in order to legally sign one, you have to be either a lawyer, a CPA, an enrolled agent, or a licensed preparer. That's the only four there are, I believe. Business Buzz, that's the name of this show. Okay, well, how about some local business from my favorite newspaper, the Chico ER? I was just looking up that rice is king in Butte County. This is from the end of October. Crop report shows, well, you know what? I'm not even going to open that one up. I'm sure there's a bunch of numbers and statistics. I'm sure what it's saying is that rice is the number one crop in Butte County. So I don't doubt that at all. It's kind of fun sometimes. You can look at these headlines and not read the article and see if you can predict what it says. Let me try it. Well, some of these are sort of obvious. Maverick Truck Stop opens in Orville. I heard about that. I heard they were going to open one, and I guess they're open. The annual Home and Garden Show remains open despite the rain. That was a week or so ago. I better go to the newer articles. Uh-oh. This came, this came up with a couple of those new clients I was talking about with the fire money the other day. This headline says, PG&E expects $1.15 billion loss from the Dixie Fire. The reason that makes me think a little bit, one of the clients who call, one of the potential clients who called me asking about fire money and whether it's going to be taxable, and we were talking about the fact that if they get it spread out over three years, they won't pay as much tax because they'll stay in a lower tax bracket. They were saying, well, their attorneys had a letter that said there may be a reason why you would want to take it all in advance. Not that they were all offered that choice. I believe they aren't offered that choice. But the interesting point of that topic was what I was telling them was one reason you might want to try to get it fast sooner than later is from what I understand, if there was to be another gigantic PG&E lawsuit between now and the time people actually get the cash in their hand, that could be where the money that they were having available to pay out wouldn't be available if another lawsuit kicks in. So I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on television, and don't quote me on that. But from what I understand, all of this money, until you receive it, if you're a fire victim, until you receive it, it's not yours because you haven't got it yet. And anything can happen. You know how that you know how that goes. So there really isn't a whole lot of business news in the ER right now. I do subscribe to the digital ER. It's the only one I do. Uh, sometimes there's other ones that I wish I could subscribe that I wish I could read, but I'm not going to subscribe to New York Times or Washington Post when. Well, number one, I really don't believe 90% of what they say. And number two, I can f usually find the answer elsewhere. So I don't subscribe to any, but I do subscribe to the ER because it is uh, 
It's the local paper. And I understand that the ER building out there on Skyway or uh, Martin Luther King, it is running a lot because they print papers for all kinds of various small papers like Auto Trader and those ones you see. The ones that you see in the racks and things, I believe that that place, I believe that that place does uh, print for other for other companies. That's what I that's uh, what I understand anyway. So I've got some articles here that actually I was trying to be here last week and things got a little crazy at work again. So. Got some articles here I'm going to talk to you about, and it's it may be a little outdated, but it's still very practical. And I'm going to give you a couple of hints of what we might be talking about coming up. We might be talking about how about the business of cryptocurrency. Have you guys dipped your foot into that lake yet? Have you tried trading a few of those things. They are wild and wacky. Some people like the stock market. I believe the young generation has pretty much skipped over the stock market unless they're, you know, billionaires, kids who inherit, who inherit it. They are trading cryptos like crazy. And the fact that they're trading cryptos is why there's a lot less pressure on the precious metals markets, because if there weren't cryptos, my guess is there'd be a lot more people uh, buying and selling gold, but that's just my guess. Don't hold me to it. Don't hold me to anything. I'm just here for entertainment. I try to entertain. I try to educate. Don't take anything I say as legal or tax advice because everybody's situation is different, but you can call me and I will uh, talk with you with a free initial consultation and There is no charge. I like meeting new clients. I hear something, I hear a new situation almost every day. Something that I thought I'd, every day I I get older, I've been doing this for over 40 years, full time. It's amazing that I'll come up almost every day with a question that is absolutely something I've never had to deal with before. So that's just, uh, that's just the way the, That's just the way the world goes around. We'll be back right after this break. We're going to talk wild, young generation cryptocurrencies. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. Here's Rick Box, founder of Unconventional Business Network, with today's Integrity Moment. Recently, I attended an event featuring Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Evans described God's preferred role for Christians in the race relations struggle by using a football analogy. During a football game, there are two teams who are in conflict by design. The referees, however, work for the National Football League. On the field, they're required to set aside their team preferences and instead represent the kingdom of the NFL. Tony's point was that many Christians have joined one of the world's teams rather than representing God's kingdom instead. James 4.4 teaches, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. As followers of Jesus, the workplace is a great place to stand for God's kingdom instead of one of the world's opposing teams. 
To learn more about Unconventional Business Network and doing business God's way, visit unconventionalbusiness.org. That's unconventionalbusiness.org. You know, believing is not whistling in the dark. It's not hoping something to be so or getting up enough courage you can demand it. Uh-uh. The word belief needs an object, and the object is our Lord. David Hawking explains more about who belief is really centered on. This week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, enjoying a nice November afternoon at the studio. The weather is not bad at all. The work is on my desk. If you're one of my clients waiting for me to get finished, please forgive me. I'm, I'm moving as fast as I can. I have a small office. I do, I do all the actual real tax work. My Assistant does a lot of the inputting and the clerical and the phone calls and the type of things that an office manager would do, but I am the only one who actually signs tax returns. If you come to my office, it'll be me doing the work, not a junior guy fresh out of college that uh, that's just uh, getting ready to steal somebody's client list as soon as he meets enough clients. <laughs> I I hate to be cynical, but it's a, such a common that's such a common thing in the tax world. You hire a really smart, young, gifted accounting grad. They get their CPA certificate while they're working for you. You let them do interviews with the clients. They got a great personality. They're smart. You teach them all they need to know when they don't know all the tax laws yet. And what do you know? Next thing you know, the guy that you've been charging $500 every year for to do the tax has just left to go with young whippersnapper CPA, and they'll do it for 400 the first year. And then from then on, you know, if, if they like them, that'll be their CPA. I'm not saying it happens everywhere. I'm not saying all CPAs are, all young CPAs are trying to steal clients, but it is a very tempting thing for people to do. I remember when we switched, uh, we had a doctor's place when my son was younger and he had a favorite uh, person at this place that helped him when he needed to go in. And when this person left, I believe we got a phone call from that medical person saying, oh, by the way, I'm over here now. And the rumor had it that he was not allowed to take a copy of client lists and phone numbers and addresses, but I guess there was no law stopping him from having a real good memory. That was the reasoning I heard that was like, how come they're allowed to do that? And somebody told me, well, they really aren't. But, you know, if they remember something, you can't stop them. Anyway, there's also a lot of the opposite side of that whole thing is you can't really stop people from making a living and you also can't force people to keep working for you. Just because you train a young CPA candidate and he's, 
he or she does really well and you make them, you know, you teach them everything you know and they become excellent tax experts, there's no way that you're, they can be forced to work for you. Uh, you can have uh, employment agreements, but honestly, not being an attorney, I don't even want to go any further on that because I've never dealt with it. A lot of people have said over the years, how come you never, you know, grew your office and got five more desks and had hired other CPAs and how come you didn't do that? And I'm like, you know what? My number one rule in that whole area is it takes longer to check something than it does to do it myself. And number two is the young CPA problem where if you do get someone good, they're going to leave anyway because they can make twice as much money on their own. And number three, a lot of people that think they know how to do taxes, they really don't. I mean, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it takes a, a, a IQ of uh, 200 to do income taxes properly, but a lot of people that do think they know it aren't all that hot. And uh, I mean, I'm not knocking anyone. I'm just saying, you know, there's varying levels in all fields, but I, that's why I chose to not expand and try to work up a level below me that could be doing all these taxes and I'll supervise it. I know those guys do make a lot of money. I know someone who used to work for a large tax franchise. I won't go into the, I won't go into the name. They used to be down the block from my office, uh, but I won't mention their name. And the guys who own those do make, I think they do make a lot of money because it's just that sheer volume. If they're doing like, 3,000 tax returns and uh, you know if, you, if you're doing 3,000 tax returns and you can make uh, $100,000 on each one well that's 3 million bucks I, I'm sorry I meant $100 on each one uh, that's, that's $300,000 from that office and if you make $100 off of two more offices uh, you're looking at clearing 900 grand to running three offices now that means you have to clear a hundred dollars after all of the costs of you know what I'm saying payroll, workers' comp insurance, payroll taxes, health insurance. Now health insurance. I offer payroll services to clients, but I only offer payroll services to small businesses. There's a whole different world of payroll if you have uh, fifty or more employees. That you start getting involved with the entire. Uh, I can't believe I'm not remembering the name of this thing. It's called Obamacare. It's not ADA. ADA is the American with Disabilities Act. Oh, AC, Affordable Care Act. I'm sorry. The Affordable Care Act makes everything complicated once you're looking at a large company with over, I think, 50 employees. I don't even really want to work with one with, I don't want to be the payroll administrator of any company probably over about 10 because I don't want to learn a whole, you know, two inch thick catalog of rules from OSHA just because my client is 10 employees instead of nine. I just don't want to deal with it. There's plenty of people who are experts. There's places that have payroll services for giant companies like ADP, uh, the banks offer it, uh, paychecks, all those big companies, they offer payroll for the big companies. And I say, Good for them because that's what they're there for. But I offer small payroll, small business payroll, and it's amazing. The 
with the technology these days, it's so very simple to set up a payroll, get it rolling, get the direct deposits going. Uh, and as long as, like I say, as long as it's not a complicated party, the main people of my clients who need payroll is this. One of the biggest tax saving things that you can do out there for your clients if you're a tax preparer is introduce a self-employed person to owning an S corporation. It's I won't get technical, but they end up saving thousands of dollars a year if their income is, net income is at a certain level. The catch with becoming an S corporation is, number one, you now have to file your own tax return plus a corporation tax return, which is going to cost more. And number two, you have to pay yourself payroll as the S corporation owner, as the S corporation uh, manager. That causes some people to not be happy because now they got to do payroll if they didn't have any payroll before. Now, for people who already have payroll, it's nice. They can add themselves on and they're already doing payroll, so it's no big change. For people who have zero payroll, it's just kind of tough. What I'm trying to say is, if a small business has one or maybe two employees like my my corporation does, it's so technologically easy now to do the actual payroll. It just isn't a big deal, and the fees are not that high. So I'm encouraging, I've got a website entry coming up soon on my website that is um, actually going to be just talking about payroll and... Uh, because I found out how nice it is and how easy it is. It's not easy. You still got to get all the numbers in and make sure they're exactly right. But once you do that, uh, it's really not, it's really not rocket science to uh, set up payroll these days because of the technology involved. And it makes it, makes it really nice for clients of mine who need to become S corps to save about well, I won't say how many thousands, but they'll. I, I wouldn't have them do it if they weren't saving thousands of dollars per year in total overall tax. We're going to come up on that second break soon, but I do want to say the S-Corp way is not for everybody, but for the right people, it's a really nice money saver. We're at the halfway point. Stay tuned. I'll be right back for, with some more entertaining information on Business Buzz. Be right back. You know, believing is not whistling in the dark. It's not hoping something to be so or getting up enough courage you can demand it. Uh-uh. The word belief needs an object, and the object is our Lord. David Hawking explains more about who belief is really centered on. This week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today, weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Hi, this is Pastor Chris Kinson at Community Church of God in Chico. Community Church of God has been a fixture in Chico for many years, and now will be coming to you over the airwaves. Our program is called Your Message for Today, broadcast on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We hope that you enjoy the Bible-based teaching and preaching that will be featured on these programs. We'd also like to extend to you an invitation to come and visit us 
at Community Church of God, 1095 East Avenue in Chico. Our services are at 11 a.m. Sundays and Bible studies at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Come and worship with Community Church of God. Community Church of God, 1095 East Avenue, Chico, California. And our phone number, 530-345-4300. That's 530-345-4300. God bless you. Hi, I'm Carson Cressley. Of all the resources in the world, kindness is the most precious. For more than 140 years, American Humane has been working to protect animals in disasters, on farms, on the silver screen, and in zoos and aquariums caring for the world's vanishing creatures. You can help too by making humane choices every day. Visit AmericanHumane.org for simple ways to build a more caring and compassionate world for all of us. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm having a nice, relaxed, rambling November day. I realized I was rambling because earlier on I told you I was going to talk about cryptos a little bit, and I completely haven't yet, but I do have my printout that I made for a week ago when I was hoping to be here. And uh, I'm not going to read an entire article here, but I'm gonna, I can point you to it. Um, the title of this article is called is the Bitcoin ETF a trap? And ETF is a electronic, electronically traded fund. And on October 19th, which is now uh, at least two weeks ago, the SEC, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission, which you don't really want my opinion. I've got stories I've been reading and studying and watching the metals markets for 30 years. And SEC, CFTC, it's absolutely worthless, lying, no good, quote, watchdogs. They do not do their job. Unless you or I try to start a little, you know, illegal stock fund locally and they'll come and sick 20 FBI agents on us and haul us away to handcuffs. In that case, they do their job. But when it comes to real oversight, real watchdog market watching, price rigging watching, SEC, CFTC, and I I don't really care. Uh, I don't have proof. I, I mean, I have proof with what I've read. I don't have documented proof on a case-by-case basis, but I don't even care what I say right now. They are nothing but uh, criminals on the side of the criminals. So anyway, so the ETF, it's a Bitcoin ETF. And the reason this article, what it points out is that uh, this is what happened to gold and silver. When they didn't have enough gold to keep the price of gold down, they started these things called ETFs for gold and silver. Uh, GLD is the gold. SLV is the silver. It's a fund. It's paper. They do not trade. They do not hand you gold when your contract comes up. They give you cash based on the, quote, price of gold. The problem with that is if you call up your stockbroker 
that holds your 401k or your stock accounts and you tell him, hey, I want to get exposed to gold and silver, he'll buy you shares of GLD and SLV. That isn't gold and silver. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the, uh, the one that is, when you buy a futures contract of silver, it's for 5,000 ounces. I'm actually following, following a man on YouTube, and this guy has, uh, he's got enough money to do this. He's testing how easy it is to actually get your silver delivered when that's what your contract says. And so the COMEX, the Commodity Exchange, this guy bought a contract of 5,000 ounces of silver. The price was around 25 bucks an ounce. So he's looking at owing them around $125,000 for them to deliver the 5,000 ounces of silver. Well, what's interesting is this guy does updates every week or two on the YouTube channel that I listen to, and it's been months, and he still does not have his physical silver. He has gone through, it's been unbelievable how many times they've just totally hoodwinked him around with every possible excuse. They make him put more money up because theoretically a 1,000-ounce bar can be plus or minus 10%. So until you get your bars, you have to put up another 10% in case they're all overweight. So when he had his 125000 they made him send another 12500 Then they had all these other conditions and contingencies. To make a long story short, I believe it's been about five months since he, uh, since this contract ended, and he still, as of the latest update I heard the other day, he does not have his physical silver. So now that's the COMEX. That's supposed to be a physical market. Well, it's turning out that unless you're probably a big wig or a JP Morgan bank, you don't get to buy physical silver. They just don't let you. So these ETFs are a whole nother dimension away from the COMEX, which is a scam also. So the ETFs are another a whole nother uh, level off of the COMEX and they're double scams and uh, they don't have the silver they say they do. They claim that if you buy an SLV share, it's backed by an ounce of silver or some formula, some amount of physical metal. It's not. It's all lies. So anyway, they started one of these ETFs for Bitcoin. And my point of that is Bitcoin has done pretty well lately. Uh, I believe it's back up to about 63. I believe it's all-time high as 66. My point is with this ETF, they will do what they've been do what they've done to precious metals and they will hold the price of Bitcoin down via this ETF. So if now if you call your broker and say, "Hey, I want to I want to I want to invest in Bitcoin." They'll buy this ETF which the symbol I believe is and this is sort of a joke. This is an inside joke for people who trade Bitcoin. Their, um, their uh, ticker symbol for it is BTFD. And if you guys don't know what that means, I can't say it on the air. So if you want to look it up, BTFD is actually funny if that is the ticker for a Bitcoin um, ETF. So if you want to look up BTFD, don't say I said it on the air because I didn't. And uh, so what this article is saying is that, you know, just like with gold and silver, it's their way to hold the price down. If Bitcoin keeps getting higher and higher and higher, it's kind of like gold and silver getting higher and higher. Uh, Everybody will take their money out of the bank and buy Bitcoin instead. And that's what their biggest fear is. And when I say they, you know who I mean. 
I don't need to explain who they is, who they are, but uh, that is why they need to keep the price of these things down. And, oh, I've got another comment. Bitcoin keeps going up and up and up, and it's not because of the government wanting it to go up. It's because the majority, the silent majority, is buying it. And it's almost like they can't really stop people from buying something that is an alternative to dollars in the bank, which I've told you before, the intrinsic value of all paper money ends up being zero. And the dollar's no exception. We just don't know what the, t- the time frame. So my point here is this, and now we're going to talk about the business. I'm going to talk about the business of music. Think about how hard people like Sony Records and, uh, you know, who I don't even know what their record companies are anymore. Nobody buys records. Capital Records uh, used to be Apple Records. Um, Mercury Records. I mean, imagine how much advertising and promotion it takes for them to make a number one song on iTunes, which is where all the kids listen to their music and download it and listen. Well, guess what happened about three weeks ago? A song, a rap song called Let's Go Brandon. And if you don't know what Let's Go Brandon means, just please look it up. I'm not going to go into it right now. Hopefully you know by now what Let's Go Brandon stands for. So a rap song called Let's Go Brandon gets on iTunes. It shoots up to be the number one song over and above a singer called Adele, who had the number one song prior to that. And the point I'm making is there was no, not only was there no advertising, no promotion, there was negative advertising and negative promotion because YouTube and Twitter shut down anybody promoting the the song Let's Go Brandon. So not only was it no advertising, it was minus advertising and just the groundswell of the basic people doing what they want to do beat out all the promotion and advertising of millions and millions of dollars that these companies do for their records that they try to sell. When you think about that, it's pretty amazing. And it just shows the power of just basic people, like I consider myself one, I figure you probably are one too. Basic people like us have the power to override all of the commercial garbage uh, ads. And in my opinion, the last 20 years has had almost zero good music. Maybe I'm just looking in the wrong place. I'm not a country fan. I know that country music has stayed, you know, pretty good and pretty, you know, equal to the way it used to be. But pop and rock music has turned into complete garbage, in my opinion. Uh, I haven't enjoyed any new music since. There's a few songs in the 2000s that I kind of liked. There's a lot of songs in the 90s that I really like and I still listen to all the time. But honestly... I would say since the year 2000, almost all popular music is garbage to me, and I don't even listen to it. But Let's Go Brandon, I do love, and I make sure to give it a lot of likes on uh, Spotify is the music service I use, and uh, Let's Go Brandon is, as far as a modern song, I do really like it. But just think about the fact that that song shot up to number one with no advertising, and it even had people getting uh, censored for saying it and playing it, and it still became the number one song. 
to me, that's absolutely amazing. And it just goes to show that as more people realize how much power the basic people have, they can start, you know, actually making a difference. I was going to discuss... I was going to discuss the business of medicine, but I've been doing that a lot lately, and I'm actually sort of getting tired of it. But that last break's coming up, and uh, I'm going to plan out the last 15 minutes because I do have one thing I want to share. And I do want to ask anybody in the audience who's in the medical profession, are you doing your bit to help people right now? Or, or are you not doing your share to help people? And I'll be right back on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. Next time on Adventures in Odyssey, Wooten has a modest proposal. You ask Penny to marry you? Mm-hmm. But Penny wants counsel before she decides. Mr. Parker, you're married. I know. So you can tell us what it really means to be married. Might there be problems with this arrangement? Are you saying you don't want to help them? What if we put them off marriage completely? Don't miss the next Adventure in Odyssey. God has abundantly blessed America. Our founding fathers knew and understood the laws of nature and of nature's God that prosper a people in harmony with them. Most assuredly, people that seek first God's ways of universal righteousness, spiritual prosperity, create the environment of peace, harmony, and blessing that naturally pave the way to material prosperity. America, bless God. Do you ever hear words at church like Ecclesiastical, redemptive work, eschatology, the Pentateuch, sanctification, premillennial. Hey, those are important words regarding the Bible. But let's get real. If we used words like that on our station, we'd have a lot fewer listeners. Yeah, we love to keep things simple. Don't get us wrong, our message is right on the money when it comes to the Bible. And that clear down-to-earth message is only possible because of your support for our ministry. So thanks for helping us as we get a message out that's true and relatable. You are listening to Live Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I've got a little time left in my hour of hopefully entertainment, education, and enlightenment. Maybe not. But then again, how much did you pay for this? Thank you. Oh, not not meaning to make a joke. I'm just saying I do the best I can. I I work full time. I also have a family. I try to do fun stuff. Also, it's uh, but doing the radio, I do, I really enjoy doing the business buzz, and um, I just hope everybody gets a little bit out of something that I say. So I ended the last little segment asking the medical profession, "Are you doing everything you can to help people right now?" And if the answer is no, I understand that it may not actually be your fault, but 
you should at least think about how you might try to fix this. So I'm going to read an article, part of an article called uh, Physicians and the Vaccine Tyranny. Oh, and one other quick thing. Uh, if you've listened to Business Buzz, you know I'm, I'm for uh, uh, medical choice, uh, personal choice, my body, my choice, like the women have been saying for 50 years, and that is my position. So this is called Physicians and the Vaccine Tyranny. And it's authored by, quote, Blaze Edwards, M.D. It says, I find myself in the position that I must use an alias for fear of reprisal. Those days may be quickly coming to an end as hospitals are denying requests for vaccine exemptions with impunity. I will likely soon be out the door with nothing to lose. Even if I survive this round, if the pandemic continues, it won't be long before I am shelved like a can of spam. Doctors need to be called out. From early in the pandemic, it was like a mass hypnosis or forgetfulness of everything we had learned in medical school. Immune system knowledge was shelved and replaced by government dictates. The thought of early outpatient treatment with off-label drugs that could modulate the immune system was forbidden. We essentially told patients that they had to go home and wait until they were sick enough to be hospitalized, then treatment would begin. Imagine telling all diabetics that there is no metformin, glucophage, or insulin. Would we really wait until patients are in diabetic ketoacidosis and then treat them only at the hospital? It is medical malfeasance of a grand scale. We physicians gave up our training and our reasonable medical thought process. The reasons are multiple. First, it was was the easy way out. Second, many of us are employed and fear reprisal. Third, despite what the public thinks, we physicians are not bold leaders We tend to be sheep and are afraid of having an entire institution ostracize us or our colleagues to think us crazy. As we got to the point of vaccine rollout, doctors were not using the scientific method, questioning and challenging prevailing hypotheses. They kept their heads down, closed clinics, converted to telemedicine, and pushed only the jab. I had conversations with doctors who are supposed experts in virology and immunology denying the lasting immunity of natural infection. Conversations about natural immunity. I have antibodies, but they will wane. But I have memory cells. Dumbfounded look. Really, are these the leaders we want? Other conversations about the safety of vaccines. The vaccine is safe. No, we would have shut down any trial in the past after even 100 deaths. This is more serious. But the survival rate of COVID is about 99.8%. It's killing people. So is the vaccine. You can't believe VAERS, which is the reporting system. It was set up to help protect the public, and if anything, it is underreporting side effects. You're a conspiracy theorist. Or conversations about early treatment. You must get the vaccine. It is the only proven treatment. There are no other treatments. Really, ivermectin has eradicated COVID in India parts of Mexico, Japan, it is a horse dewormer. It won a Nobel Prize in medicine, is a World Health Organization essential drug, and has been around for decades with a great safety profile. No, only the vaccine works. But it is failing. You are a denier and a conspiracy theorist. So that was the little conversation. It says, lately it has been all about getting 100% of the population jabbed. For what reason? I am not sure, and some of the more detailed and investigated theories 
scare me. I shudder to think that last year's heroes are being labeled selfish and villainous for not getting the vaccine. Hospital systems have abandoned their community's health and ignored early successful outpatient treatment in favor of huge government subsidies for inpatient and ICU treatment. The success of these treatments was not great, but that is another article. Now we have the same hospital systems turning their backs on their own employees. Basically, health providers have a choice, get shot or get fired. How does that help? Both vaxxed and unvaxxed can spread the virus, so it doesn't help anyone. It only helps the hospital to get more government money by meeting quotas. I, for one, will remember that when we faced a real crisis, the hospitals and many physicians chose money and profit over their own community's best interests. Perhaps it is time for groups of physicians to get back to running their own health care clinics and hospitals. We used to have a code of ethics. We used to put patients first. Not anymore. As for physicians, those, are who are, those who are blindly following the government edicts are culpable in a moral atrocity. Bullying and deriding patients who chose to refrain from this still experimental therapy is an abomination. You will say it isn't experimental anymore, anymore, to which I would say that just because the government broke its own rules regarding approval doesn't make it legal or right. Patients have sincere beliefs for making their choice. Respect their thoughts. Do you yell it as much at smokers, drinkers, fornicators, drug abusers, etc.? No, I think not. I think you chose to fit in because it gives you a sense of righteousness. And going so far as to encourage vaccination in children and pregnant women is crazy. There is blood on the hands of any physician who does this. With children, there is no benefit to the vaccine, only harm. They would serve themselves and society better with natural immunity. The vaccine hasn't been studied on women and their babies. It is pregnant. It is pregnancy category X, unknown, but being pushed wholesale on these poor women without proper studies. Shame on you, doctors, who are doing this. I certainly have lots to answer for when I meet my maker, but this is on another level. I beg physicians to get back to basics. Remember all the epidemiology and immunology that bored us to steers to tears in school. Investigate the real literature and take a stand. Society needs us to do this. Even if you have been vaccinated, help those who are fighting for their lives. Stand up against this forced vaccine tyranny. Suppose those who have legitimate reasons for declining the jab, if you don't stand up now, who will stand up for you when you are faced with your choice of yet another booster or your job? So anyway, that's, uh, that's an article called uh, Physicians and the Vaccine Tyranny. And um, I found it on my favorite news website, zerohedge.com. I think you guys should look at Zero Hedge every day and just at least look at the headlines, see what's really going on. Not really. I'd say it's about halfway there. I'd I'd give Zero Hedge a 5 out of 10 for uh, breakthrough journalism. They're definitely not an 8 or a 9, but they're definitely not a 1 or a 2. And on my scale, that would put CNN, CNBC, and uh, NBC uh, about a one. And that's because they do do a weather report every night. That's where they get the one. All right. I've got about six minutes left. I need to mellow out. i got a lot of work to do in the next few days. I promise you, my tax clients, I will be working. So I'm just going to lose myself in uh, Chapter 27, Section 8 of A Course in Miracles called The Hero of the Dream for as long as it lasts. If I get cut off, I get cut off. 
Goodbye, cruel world. The body is the central figure in the dreaming of the world. There is no dream without it, nor does it exist without the dream in which it acts as if it were a person to be seen and be believed. It takes the central place in every dream, which tells the story of how it was made by other bodies, born into the world outside the body, lives a little while, and dies, to be united in the dust with other bodies dying like itself. In the brief time allotted it to live, it seeks for other bodies as its friends and enemies. Its safety is its main concern. Its comfort is its guiding rule. It tries to look for pleasure and avoid the things that would be hurtful. Above all, it tries to teach itself its pains and joys are different and can be told apart. The dreaming of the world takes many forms because the body seeks in many ways to prove it is autonomous and real. It puts things on itself that it has bought with little metal discs or paper strips the world proclaims as valuable and real. It works to get them, doing senseless things, and tosses them away for senseless things it does not need and does not even want. It hires other bodies that they may protect it and collect more senseless things that it can call its own. It looks about for special bodies that can share its dream. Sometimes it dreams it is a conqueror of bodies weaker than itself, but in some phases of the dream it is the slave of bodies that would hurt and torture it. The body's serial adventures from the time of birth to dying are the theme of every dream the world has ever had. The hero of this dream will never change, nor will its purpose. Though the dream itself takes many forms and seems to show a great variety of places and events wherein its hero finds itself, the dream has but one purpose, taught in many ways. This single lesson does it try to teach again, and still again, and yet once more, that it is cause and not effect and you are its effect, and cannot be its cause. Thus are you not the dreamer, but the dream, and so you wander idly in and out of places and events that it contrives. That this is all the body does is true, for it is but a figure in a dream. But who reacts to figures in a dream unless he sees them as if they were real? The instant that he sees them as they are, They have no more effects on him because he understands he gave them their effects by causing them and making them seem real. How willing are you to escape effects of all the dreams the world has ever had? Is it your wish to let no dream appear to be the cause of what it is you do? Then let us merely look upon the dream's beginning, for the part you see is but the second part whose cause lies in the first. No one asleep and dreaming in the world remembers his attack upon himself. No one believes there really was a time when he knew nothing of a body and could never have conceived this world as real. He would have seen at once that these ideas are one illusion, too ridiculous for anything but to be laughed away. How serious they now appear to be, and no one can remember when they would have met with laughter and with disbelief. We can remember this if we but look directly at their cause, and we will see the grounds for laughter, not a cause for fear. Let us return the dream he gave away unto the dreamer who perceives the dream as separate from himself and done to him. Into eternity, where all is one, there crept a tiny mad idea at which the Son of God remembered not to laugh. In his forgetting, did the thought become a serious idea and possible of both accomplishment and real effects. Together we can laugh them both away and understand that time cannot intrude upon eternity. 
It is a joke to think that time can come to circumvent eternity, which means there is no time. A timelessness in which time is made real, a part of God that can attack itself, a separate brother as an enemy, a mind within a body, all are forms of circularity whose ending starts at its beginning, ending at its cause. The world you see depicts exactly what you thought you did, except that now you think that what you did is being done to you. The guilt for what you thought is being placed outside yourself and on a guilty world that dreams your dreams and thinks your thoughts instead of you. It brings its vengeance, not your own. It keeps you narrowly confined within a body, which it punishes because of all the sinful things the body does within its dream. You have no power to make the body stop its evil deeds because you did not make it and cannot control its actions, nor its purpose, nor its fate. Hmm. Let that sink in a little bit. I will see you next time on Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with me. KKXX Paradise, K280GL Chico, and K283AR Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. Prosecutors rested their case in the murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Milwaukee County forensic pathologist Dr. Doug Kelly testified one of the two people killed during a night of violence in Kenosha, Joseph Rosenbaum, was shot by Rittenhouse at very close range. I would say that in this particular instance, we're talking about something uh, within a few feet within four feet or so. He also pointed out Rosenbaum had soot injuries. So his hand is in close proximity or in contact with the end of that rifle. Date from Court TV. Kelly says video does not show if Rosenbaum was grabbing for Rittenhouse's gun or trying to swat it away. Rittenhouse's lawyers suggest he was afraid his gun was going to be taken away and used against him. I'm Ed Donahue. More members of former President Trump's inner circle have been subpoenaed by House investigators. White House correspondent Greg Clugston reports. Ten more former officials who worked for Donald Trump in the final weeks of his presidency have been told to share documents and testimony about events leading up to the U.S. Capitol riot on January 6th. The list includes senior advisor Stephen Miller and White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany. It is unclear if the special congressional committee will subpoena the former president, though the committee's leaders have said they haven't ruled anything out. Greg Clugston the White House. The Oklahoma Supreme Court has overturned a $465 million opioid ruling against drug maker Johnson & Johnson, finding that a lower court wrongly interpreted the state's public nuisance law. The court ruled in a 5-1 to decision Tuesday that the district court in 2019 was wrong to find that New Jersey-based J&J and its Belgium-based subsidiary Janssen Pharmaceuticals violated the state's public nuisance statute. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 112 points. More on these stories at townhall.com. Thinking about life insurance? 
What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For a free quote, call 800-523-3771. That's 800-523-3771. 800-523-3771. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Here's the townhall.com business brief. Stocks closed lower, ending the market's longest winning streak in more than two years. The S&P 500 fell four-tenths percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost three-tenths. And the Nasdaq fell six-tenths. Tesla slumped again, losing 12% after its CEO Elon Musk said over the weekend that he would abide by results of a poll in which he asked his millions of followers on Twitter whether he should sell 10% of his stake in the company. They said he should. PayPal sank 10.5% after cutting its outlook. The Dow was down 112 points to close at 36,319. The Nasdaq lost 95 points to 15,886. The S&P 500 dropped 16 to 4,685. New York oil rose $2.22, closing at $84.15 a barrel. With business, I'm John Scott. News and analysis at townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. Christmas time stories and baking. It's all captured in a story and paint called Family Traditions by artist Morgan Weisling. You can add this newsy clay from Focus on the Family to your collection. Details at Focus on the